on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Bad news travels fast for Google Trips. Pinterest gives advertisers more opportunities to get on board with shopping ads. Shep and I had an old-fashioned duel about what should and shouldn't count for YouTube views. And Greg told us about his relationship with Google Ads. Spoiler alert, it's complicated. Sigh. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. We record live every Friday from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Join us each week for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Christine Zernheld, a.k.a. Shep. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock here on August 9th, 2019. Remember, you can catch our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News shows each and every Friday morning. We cover it all for you. Yes, we do. You don't even do. need to read. Just open your ears. <laughs> and if you do want to follow along with us, just check out our show notes. Head over to marketingoclock.com for all the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Shep, first up this week, we're saying bon voyage to Google's <laughs> Trips app. Bye. Coming from TechCrunch, Google is shutting down one of their more popular apps that they've made, one of their more popular services, Google Trips. We saw a shift over to travel before, where you could go to google.com forward slash travel earlier. At the time, Trips was still active. It is no longer. However, if you are somebody that had information, like your saved places or notes that you had in the Trips app, you will still be able to get to that going to google.com forward slash travel. If you go to google.com forward slash travel, you should see a window called trips. Or if you're logged in, you might see flights or something like that. There was some sad folks out there on Twitter. One of my favorites was from Subuyu, S-U-B-8-U on Twitter. And he said, rip Google trips. You join the list of apps that solve consumer problems, but didn't have direct monetization routes. Your trip has now ended. Sad, Sad face. <laughs> so, Bad news travels fast. Yes. I really liked what they were doing with trips, by the way. It was a very helpful service. I had, I used it, not a ton, but I did use it, and I'm going to miss it. There is a light at the end of this tunnel, keeping on the trips theme here, that you might be able to have your needs filled with Google Maps, as Google Maps will allow you now to pull in flight and hotel reservations and be able to have AR capabilities, which is what everybody needs when traveling, is to hold their phone up in front of their face and not look at it real life here. But the reservations you can get to now in Maps, so most folks have that on their device, and you can... Simply tap on the three gray lines, according to Google, at the top left corner of your screen. Then you go to your places, and then you look for the reservation tab. So if you were very tied to Google Trips, you can now use those simple steps. And then Live View is a new feature there. So again, if you want to hold your phone up in front of your face to see where things are, you can do that on your trips. Is that something you'd use, Shep? I would hope not. I would probably get hit by a car. 
or yeah. something worse. Yeah, it's going to be dangerous. Yeah, I feel like people are talking about trips now more that it's gone. Like they didn't know what they had. And now I wish I had used it more. I didn't really get the opportunity. But I love the Disney World app. I don't know what that is. It's the app you use for planning your Disney trip. And you can have like all your fast pass reservations and your dining reservations and your hotel reservations. Everything's in there. And it's great. Okay. I have used that. That was nice. Mm -hmm. And you can see you've got the slot available here. I'm going to go claim that. So for your kids, you could see like how long the wait is for the parking lot tram, their favorite ride. Oh, I didn't know you could get that granular with mm -hmm. it. Wow. All right. Google, step your game up on travel there. And additionally, there is one more travel-related item that is coming to Google. And it is the ability to find the best prices for your trip. And I air quotes that in case you weren't watching us on YouTube. And then on Thursday, Google said, starting today, you'll have the same insights for your itinerary, but you'll be able to see smarter pricing. So they will notify you if they think the price is good and that it will, that it will not go down any sooner. So the question is, why would you use Google to book your flights, Shep? Would I do you? it all the time. You do, okay. Well, actually, I use Google Flights to look at the prices, but then... I always book it through the website. Okay. I monitor it and then I go to the actual website. Oh, see, I like that move. But if you are booking a flight between August 13th and September 2nd, you may want to head over to Google. Go to google.com forward slash travel. Look at your flights. If they predict the price won't decrease for select itineraries booked between those dates, they'll guarantee the price won't drop. If it does, they'll refund you the difference. Oh, but I it's like, like only for two weeks or three weeks. Yeah, just to create buzz about the announcement. I, think it's just I guess to get people looking at it and trying it. Hopper shaking in their boots. I, so I love Hopper too. Why do you love Hopper so much? Because they actually will send you a notification when it's at the lowest price, which I think I heard that Google was doing that, but I haven't seen it in action. Okay, I, I like the fact that there might be some intelligence behind it, saying we typically, on average, don't see the price going below that. But I like the guarantee. Mm -hmm. Make that more than just to the, whatever it was, September 2nd. Make it till uh, September 2nd, 2020. And they're only that? doing with flights, not hotels? That'd be I nice if they did hotels. I didn't read the article. <laughs> I believe it was only flights, though. Okay, another thing that makes this whole thing a little disjointed in my mind is that when you're booking the hotel, you can go there and see everything, right? From google.com forward slash travel. You can get information on the neighborhood, see all the pricing, and it's a nice looking experience. Then when you're ready to go on a trip, you then flip over from google.com forward slash travel to Google Maps to access your travel reservations, explore the city you're visiting, or navigate from place to place. And again, from the when you're ready to go on your trip, you can now use Google Maps. It's straight from Google. So it still doesn't seem like there's one spot to go. Mm -mm. One issue for me is I just have that kind of stigma of maps that I'm going to use this to go somewhere. And I don't really feel like maps to me is this TripAdvisor experience, mm -hmm. nor do I really want it to be a TripAdvisor experience. And that's just the, the kind of thought, will that change? Maybe. I don't know. But I don't know if I'm ever going to hop into Google Maps to explore a city and use that as that kind of trips feature or you know, TripAdvisor, basically. I want something that knows my flight, knows my hotel, and tells me how I'm going to get from one place to the other. Because I feel like that's the most annoying part. You need an assistant. We got to get you an assistant. That's what we need. Yeah. We can hop over Upwork and, and get a personal assistant. Okay. I think that'd be the worst job ever. But... <laughs> You'd just be snapping at them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I want the fast pass for the teacups. 
No, it's o'clock. easy at Disney. They have the Magical Express. They just take care of everything for you. I don't know why you hate it so much. I don't hate Disney. I just, it's not, it, it's too artificial for my flavor. Yeah. But you like Vegas? Vegas is, I do like, artificial. so, okay. Vegas is artificial, <laughs> but it knows it's artificial. Vegas is a spectacle. You look at, the, you're <laughs> flying over a desert. And there's just sand everywhere. And then there's mountains all over the place and more sand. It's like, where am I going? And then all of a sudden there's this oasis in the middle and you're in France and then you're in Italy and then there's water shooting everywhere and you're on a pirate ship. That's why I like Vegas is because it knows what it is and it just I don't know. 10 X's it. I feel like Vegas is Disney for sad people. Sad adults. Sad adults. <laughs> that should be the new, the new slogan. Not what happened to Vegas days in Vegas. <laughs> Vegas, Disney for sad adults. And you can gamble in Vegas. I don't want to. I've tried a couple of times. I got kicked off the roulette table because oh, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Did you I'm win? not meant for Vegas. No, I wanted to just kind of, isn't it a saying, let the chips fall where they may? Like just sprinkle them around and you can't do that <laughs> they told yeah they were like were you aiming for this number or this number i was like i was just sprinkling and they asked me to leave yeah you can't do that it's the, the chips fall where you may that's <laughs> is that a, a different a game it's like a colloquialism or whatever that word is well i thought it was a real thing okay well hey you're making it real so <laughs> kudos <laughs> what's next Shep? so next up um pinterest is continuing their e-commerce push with a new personalized shopping hub that displays at the top of users home feeds you the, know i don't like hub why is everything a hub as a word i just it's like the shopping hub. Like it. it's an experience three letters it's easy to say Okay. Hub right. is more fun to say than experience. I like hub. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's because it seems, I don't like the word hubby. We're like, me and my hubby came out. <laughs> Nobody's, do you call, no. do you call your, your husband hubby? Unfortunately, no. No. You should try. See how it goes. His we'll new nickname back. for me is instead of your majesty, he says, you're mad at me. <laughs> well, he's probably right. So the products highlighted in the shopping hub are curated from retailers, organic pins, which is really nice, and their catalog feeds. And retailers can upload pins via the catalogs and their products will be distributed across Pinterest shopping surfaces, which include the new shopping hub feature as well as other recommendation spaces and shopping feeds. So we, I feel like we have a story every week with a new e-commerce push from Pinterest. So it's pretty exciting for marketers. Yeah. And all this stuff is really nice. Mm -hmm. It all seems like it's very beneficial, not only for potential advertisers, but mainly for users. And you're like, Hey, I like this stuff a lot. Here's a recommendation. Why wouldn't you want that? It's yeah. Honestly, it makes me want to use it for. I feel like I have such specific taste with like home decor and clothes and Google shopping has no idea who I am and they never give me good recommendations mm. and it's frustrating. So maybe Pinterest will do a better job. How would you describe your home decor style? I would just say both are like very juvenile and juvenile. like frilly girl. Yeah. Okay. Well, a, lot, a lot of stripes. Pom poms. Pom poms. Wow. You know, things that are like fun to touch, like multiple layers. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Okay. All right. Something not as nice as what Pinterest has rolled out for us is an email that the Google Ads team sent to Gil Gildner. This surfaced on Twitter, at Gil Gildner on Twitter, an email that was given to one of his clients by a account strategist on behalf of Google. Basically, Gil didn't want to do automated bidding for a specific client and had recommended against it. This account strategist 
named Rohit Mardwar had followed up to the client directly and said, this is Rohit, your Google Ads account manager tried reaching your agency to provide the important updates missing in the account. And that's exactly word for, that's verbatim. It doesn't read right, but that's what it is. He said, they have denied to take down the update which might affect your performance. I request you to call me at the number given or schedule some time by clicking the link below. So basically, this account strategist on behalf of Google was trying to undermine what the agency had recommended to the client. Not what you want. Never what you want. <laughs> These clients yeah. are paying agencies significant money to manage their accounts. And then when you subvert them into these wild goose chases that Rohit is suggesting, you're wasting time, you're wasting resources, and you just shouldn't be undermining an agency to begin with. Mm -hmm. But if you don't trust your agency that much that you're not following them and going off of somebody else's advice, that's a problem. Yeah. Now, the only issue is this is coming from what appears to be Google. And so that is one huge thing for me. All the time today, we got one previous client that we had launched a website for had said, we've got issues with the website and the way it was built from an organic search perspective. Here's a report. And we looked at this agency, we all chuckled, we had it on our Slack channel, we were picking this report apart, which was talking about crazy things like, uh, you don't have a robots.txt file, and you might be having credit cards show up. For, and it's just like, what on earth is this report? But when you get this message from, from Google, Google, it's a whole different ball game. And so that caused an uproar. And I got in on it too. Mm -hmm. I, I hopped out. <laughs> you always do. I, I, this is something that ever since they've gone after some of our clients and tried to actually get in between us, it, it is infuriating because you want nothing more than your client to do amazing. Mm -hmm. And this specific client was not running until May. And their recommendation was turn this on in March. And we kept saying, you cannot turn this on in March. It will turn on in May when it starts running again. None of these Google account strategists or whatever they call themselves have the customer's intent in mind. They're salespeople. Right. To that point, Stephen Johns, at Stephen Johns 21 on Twitter, pointed out he found Rohit Marduar, who was technically working on behalf of Google, but he wasn't employed by Google. Uh, again, this, this is uh, an investigative tweet from Stephen Johns, and he found him on LinkedIn being employed by Regilex, which is a third party that tries to help other companies like Google grow their customer base. So while they're working on behalf of Google, it does not appear from the data we've seen that Rohit actually is employed by, by Google directly. So this email seems like it's coming from Google. It's really from a third party trying to get more money from, for, out of the Google Ads customers. And that is what is so infuriating. And then, of course, the Twitter. I don't know how long you want me to go on this. I can go six hours on this topic if you want. <laughs> Just keep, keep going. Rolling? Yeah. Okay, perfect. And so then the Twitter conversation turned into the fact that why is there nobody trying to help the help team? Nobody on the help team can do anything. Mm -hmm. Response times are not acceptable. Nobody cares. Most of the folks don't even know what the product is. People routinely 
do not know any single feature of what we're talking about. People call it Google AdWords the entire time. <laughs> People don't know that Google is an alphabet company. When I've, I've mentioned that before, I'm saying I'm sure this is to help increase alphabet profits, but we really need to get this fixed. No idea. It is it's crazy. Insane. And we have to deal with them enough as it is, like the people at Google. We don't want our clients to have to do it too. Like that's why we're here. So the fact that they're going behind our backs, that's kind yes. of what it feels like. Now like- the other thing is, <laughs> and this is the only saving grace, if you talk to any of these people or if you're an agency and your client is sucked into one of these meetings, they should tell pretty quickly that this is nonsense. Mm-hmm. I t- I've told this before on the show, but we had one client who was tr- trying to take over the spend or give some recommendations and said, your agency is missing out on many issues. So we had to get on this call. We did this whole dance and their biggest recommendation was for a Times Square based company to not advertise in the 1001 zip code, which is Times Square. It is Times Square. That was their number one recommendation was not to advertise there. Did they say why? That makes no sense. Shop. Shop. I'm a broken man at this point, thanks to Google Ads. I just want to know. that. No. Yeah, that's a horrible story. So there was obviously a lot. Of, I'm just going to keep going on this until you yell at me. But more people commented, and it, it wasn't just Gil. So uh, Anna, Anna Gildner, maybe... Related to yeah, Gil Gilmer, just thought of that right now. You know, rocket scientist over here. She said, "My main issue is not the fact that they emailed the client. The issue is that he had recommended something we don't think is a good idea, and then went behind our back to someone who has no idea what they're asking to implement a change just to change, just to meet the change quota." So then Hannah Moyer responded, saying, "Just did this last week. I told a rep." that I wouldn't make one of the changes because it goes against our strategy for said client. And he had to strongly discuss it with her. Wasn't expecting that much pushback. I think the worst part is the wording, that they make it sound like the agency is doing something wrong. Yes, and they have this power by saying they're on behalf of Google, Mm -hmm. and that's the problem. This should be disclosed that they are not Google employees. That That has to be disclosed. It is disingenuous to say that. Yeah. When they're only trying to get automated bidding to hit quotas to, I mean, again, if it is factual that Rohit works at Regilex, that is a third-party company trying to grow a customer base. You should be trying to help your hacking advertisers, not to grow the customer base. That's what you should try to try to help, not grow it. Help them. Help them grow their business. Google. Okay. I'm, I, I'm, I think I can be done there. I had more stuff, but we're just going to go on to the next one. And at this point, it's usually time for our take of the week, but not this week. We're moving it down in the show because there's more context, more outrage, and we have to define it first in the lightning round. Pew, pew. So let's get to it. At this point in the show, we split up our content into two parts, paid and non-paid. I cover everything to do with advertising, aka paid, and Greg covers the organic or non-paid. Here's what's happening in the paid universe this week. First up, Google Ads introduced the new account map for manager accounts this week. This is a tool that helps you quickly visualize your account structure and view performance metrics all in one place. It shows you your manager account and all the sub accounts kind of mapped out. It's really nice. It is. And this is something that you always forget. I, I think I use it as my hardly working, working hard 
a few weeks back. I don't even know the name of our own segments. You need to like look at who's got access to everything all the time. Uh-huh. And this, this makes it clear. I think that's the nicest part about it. And I kind of liked it just because it's more spread out than looking at all the accounts in the drop down mm-hmm. menu. And it's one less click. So I did change my bookmark of Google ads to this page. Really? Yeah. Wow. Just because the drop down menu is one extra click. So why not avoid it? But I will say I didn't see the performance metrics broken out by each of our sub accounts in ours each of our accounts, I only saw like a total of all of Cypress North's accounts. Like okay. I didn't play around that Millions much. of clicks, which why does that matter? In the example Google showed, it showed like this account has this many clicks today, this many conversions, which I think would be kind of cool. Yeah. But I didn't see it working so far, but maybe I'm missing something. But I think this is nice. I used I it as it. my bookmark. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you can give us more insight quickly, we'll take it. Thank you, Google Ads, for implementing that. You're really changing your tone on Google all of a sudden. No, I... I I love yeah. Google. I love Google ads. I don't like the way they treat their customers. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't like the way they treat agencies. I don't like the way they dumb everything down. I don't like the way they, they mislabel things like, like exact match now and phrase match. I don't like the way they take control away from stuff. I don't like being treated like a baby and I don't like being treated like garbage. It's a complicated I relationship. I feel like I'm in a one-sided relationship. Where they're trying to try and this, trying to shake shake me down, empty my pockets out, and be done with me. Maybe that's true. But when they do nice things like this, it's hard to walk away. We can never walk away. <clears throat> okay. Next up in paid from David Cohen, Spotify Ad Studio introduces interest targeting and real-time context targeting. Interest targeting lets brands reach Spotify free users based on activities and topics they are passionate about, determined by their podcast, playlist, and platform preferences. Wow, the three Ps. Mm-hmm. I took that right from the article. It's very nice. <laughs> also, I listen to some weird podcasts, and you kind so of would make some assumptions about me that might not be true. Like, really? I listen to a lot of like football podcasts, and guess what? I don't go play football. But you watch football. Or do you not? I don't even watch football. That's a weird thing. I just mm. listen to podcasts. I was thinking today, Spotify is mainly a music, like they're very music forward, but you probably know more about the users from their podcasts, not their music choices. I guess so. But okay. So we like that new podcast that- The Clearing. The Clearing. So what are you, what are they going to be like? Oh, this guy is a serial Yeah, killer. I don't know what they <laughs> like, advertise oh, to me. Look at Greg. Let's advertise to Greg that psycho. Maybe like- I don't know, some nice pillows so I can sleep better at night knowing there's Edward and Wade Edwards in the world. Oh, yeah. That's a good thought. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's (laughs) Lock your doors. And then they're also introducing real-time context targeting, which helps advertisers reach Spotify free listeners while they are streaming at specific moments during the day. So the one example they gave here was dinner time. Which is a terrible example to give. If you want to reach somebody, you don't want to reach them at dinner time. That's like... The stereotypical thing, oh, it's the telemarketer calling during dinner. <laughs> That's so true. I didn't think you of that. Know? Like, what are you going to be like? Food? Oh, want some dessert? Yeah. Like, or what are you gonna, what McDonald's? Are you gonna say? Again, I always just think but of McDonald's. you're eating at that point. And this just made me think more about the whole free plan at Spotify because it's very confusing to me. I want to find, listeners, please tell us, does anyone have the free plan? I do. You do? Yes. Okay, so I, this says you can skip songs. Yes. You can skip some. But some playlists can only be shuffled. Is that right? I don't know. Okay, well, I have an idea. I think they should take notes from Hulu. Spotify Premium is $10. They should have a $5 level with ads, but none of this shuffle nonsense. I use Amazon Music because it's free and I'm a Prime member. Oh. Well, Are you a Prime member? I am. Okay. Amazon Music is free? It's free and it's awesome. We should be getting paid by these people. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, well, hey, that was your music minute here on Marketing <laughs> Clock. What else do we have, Shep? So next up from Jennifer Cannon at Search Engine Land, Microsoft has acquired e-commerce advertising platform Promote IQ. So this is an automatic product marketing platform that enables brand manufacturers to run sponsored ads on participating retailers' e-commerce sites, including Kroger, Kohl's, and Overstock.com. I never understood why any of these e-commerce sites run ads. I don't either. Why not but just I've run seen ads it. for yourself, man? I've seen it. And as a user... I know. E- Amazon even does it I've sometimes. I've purchased things because They're of this before. Be. You have? Yeah. Get out of here. I'll be on Target looking for sandals. I'm and, pretty sure Target does this. And you just get off over to somewhere else. Yeah. The exact sandals wow. I'm looking for. But it does seem weird. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. You're making money from the ads, but still. They also offer analytics dashboards that allow retailers and advertisers to track campaign performance. And after the integration is complete later this year, Microsoft advertisers will be able to place ads here in addition to Bing.com, which will expand shopping campaign reach and help Microsoft compete with Google and Amazon. All good things. Oh, Microsoft Advertising, the platform formerly known as Bing Ads? Nice. (laughs) And next up, Google officially launches gallery ads in beta. Have you seen these yet? Yes. They we look have, really cool. Yeah, it's cool. We have uh, one account that, that's got them. Yeah, I've only seen it in that one so far. So these were first announced in May at Google Marketing Live, and they're swipeable image-based search ads. That's crazy to say. That appear at the top of search results and can include eight images each with a unique caption. Yep, and it's mobile only also. Mm-hmm. Advertisers can also add a CTA button at the end of the gallery, so be sure to check out all of your accounts because this is in beta in some of them. Yep, and if you just hit that big blue plus button, you'll be able to create a new ad, and it should show up there, and it currently has a blue new right next to it. And finally, Facebook ad network outages are baffling, frustrated clients. So this article basically is just interviewing a lot of really angry advertisers (laughs) complaining, (laughs) like we do at the office all day. (laughs) about how often ads manager crashes and it just is not good do you have issues with ads manager i okay here's my thing i don't even notice when it's crashing because it's just so like counterintuitive the way it works to me that i just feel like it never works i just had to download firefox to get it to work properly because i I just (laughs) give up with it on chrome i removed all my extensions i couldn't get it to load i had to go to incognito mode i messed something up in my account i had all these issues and now i had to finally go i downloaded firefox today this morning so i could get in there and and try to stop it from crashing did it work well, it's TBD at the moment. I never know if it's crashed or if something just doesn't work the way it's supposed to or there's a new rule or what. How? I've had to upload ads like from a spreadsheet and it's worked before because it wasn't working in the platform. How do they not have a desktop client at this point? How is there not a desktop client? That is one of the most amazing things for Google Ads is how intuitive that software is and how amazing and easy it is for advertisers to spend more money, make more ads and do more. How is there not a desktop client for Facebook ads? I don't know. It's insane. I wish we could just all leave it. Yes. <laughs> like every advertiser in the world, just stop using it, but we can't. Such a heck show. And that's all for me. Over to you, Greg. All right. This week in non-paid, we are going to start with an article on the information from Alex Heath and Instagram and WhatsApp are changing their names, Shep. InstaFace? No, that's good though. It's actually going to Whatsgram. Oh, that's a nice no, one. No, it's not. Um, it's actually going to Instagram from Facebook and WhatsApp from Facebook. This was widely reported, but they've been doing this 
for other things too, Shep, other products. They have? Yes. One of the most important products here in marketing a clock has changed as well. Portal <laughs> from Facebook <laughs> is also what you'll see when you go to the Facebook portal sites. Oh, my God. So if you wanted to see, everything appears to be changing. Although Oculus still is called Oculus. If you go to the bottom of the page, it's still, it says from Facebook on there. But the branding isn't that. But if you actually look at portal, it's now portal from Facebook. Just so. makes those apps sound less cool. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I, I, I would love to know the backstory as to why that happened. And imagine it, there's something to it from a monopoly or some standpoint, yeah. a legal standpoint. But in other uncool news, Yelp is screwing over restaurants by quietly replacing their phone numbers. Do and we say screwing on this show? Yes, that does not get you an explicit <laughs> tab. And that is the actual name of the article from Adrian Jeffries. I did not add anything to Great it. Great title. I'm just reporting. I'm just giving you the facts here, folks. First off, did you read any of the article? I did. I thought I bet you liked the first sentence. I don't remember it. This article is part of an investigation oh. with Under Understood, a podcast that explores stories the internet missed. I feel like this is you. Yeah, you I should be, find it. I, if I had to think of a podcast for you, that would be Investigative Journalism into the Internet by Shep. I found myself on an investigative journalism podcast this week and realized after five minutes of listening that it was the AARP podcast. <laughs> <laughs> these ba these hearing aid batteries <laughs> don't pass the test. It was about like a scam where people wrote, like a psychic was writing letters to people's grandmas with dementia and taking oh. their money. It was a horrible story. Oh, great. In case you know, Shep consumes everything and anything to do with true crime or undercover. I don't know about stories. anything. I mean, I've listened to some of the stuff you listen yeah. to. I'd say anything is fair. Okay. Fair verbiage for your taste i don't like gory pictures what podcasts have gory pictures it's audio shop <laughs> oh right all right well anyway adrian was ordering something in yelp and when she went to go order two options popped up delivery or takeout and the other option was general questions from the article that's new i thought i dialed the number delivery or takeout and then she goes on this fact that it's recorded for awesomeness and that number is being routed through Grubhub, and Yelp has a partnership with Grubhub, and so by passing people through Grubhub, they get a kickback on the sale from Grubhub. Grubhub makes a kickback on that. Guess who's cut out? The restaurant. Exactly. Huge issue here, and it's just another reason why you should never rely on something you don't own. That's not cool. It's terrible. I guess this should have been in the paid section. Yeah, it should have been WTH section is what it should have been. Very true. I feel like every all of our stories could be in the WTH <laughs> section lately. Uh, well, let's keep it local here. And this is from Greg Sterling over at Search Engine Land. And the name of the article is Review Counts Matter More to Local Business Revenue Than Star Ratings, According to Study. I just thought of one word. Yuck. <laughs> like you just want more reviews? That's, that's what it is? I don't buy that. Nobody's going to read that many reviews. No. And when, I, when I see somebody with a ton, a ton of reviews, and I'm probably jaded because I'm in the industry, I think it's all spam. Yeah. It's all spam. You, I was looking for an eye doctor or whatever they're called. Ophthalmologist? I don't know. I need – my eyes are bad. And I looked – somebody had 59 reviews, and I started looking through it. And I'm like, I don't even know. This, these all look fake. Mm -hmm. 
And so they're not getting my revenue. And I never trust them to put, sometimes they don't believe it Okay. when I'm out in the wild. Well, that, that's what you see a ton. And that's what, but I guess, hey, according to this, according to this article, just get more, just get more of them. Who cares? Yeah, I don't think so. Who cares about the star ratings? All right. Keeping it Google. Googlebot Evergreen rendering in our test tools as an article straight from the Webmaster's Google blog. Google has updated most of their testing tools to use the Evergreen Chromium renderer. If you haven't followed along here at Marketing Clock, that is the most recent version of Googlebot that can run JavaScript and basically render pages more like a human would see. So if you're looking to use these tools, you can now see the Googlebot Evergreen within Search Console URL Inspection Tool, the Mobile Friendly Test, Rich Results Test, and the AMP Test. So may your testing and your profits always be evergreen. Next up is a new innovation from Google, and we saw this from City, Abner Lee. Great name, by the way, Abner. Wonderful name. Reminds me of baseball. I had a teacher, Miss Abner. She was nice. And he is had an article on 9to5Google talking about Google Question Hub collects unanswered search queries for publishers, now in beta. I saw this and I thought it was like an Onion article or something. Mm -hmm. But it's real, and it's actually on the Google India blog. There's a new product called Question Hub where users can let Google know when they haven't been able to find the content that they're searching for. And it's like a Q&A on Google. It reminds me of Facebook questions from back in the day where you could ask questions and then Facebook just got rid of that whole thing. I cannot believe that this is a real thing. Maybe we'll find out what happened to John Bonet. There you go. Ask that question. I don't know. I mean, you have to ask in India at the moment, which is the only issue is there's a little distance between the, the locations, but who knows? There might be somebody that's, that's really got it there. It currently only appears to be in India. There is also a wait list that you can join to be notified when Google launches Question Hub in your country. All you have to do is submit your email and country in the wait list. Click through the show notes if you want to jump in there. I think this is a terrible idea. It also seems like they're teaming up with journalists and bloggers to get this done. If anything, I want real people. It's mm -hmm. like, give me the cure. Are you trying to make cure here? Then make me a real cure. I don't want people, I don't want just publishers and bloggers answering this stuff. And then, so you're a publisher and a blogger and you've got all the answers to these hard questions nobody can answer. So you're just going to give it to Google and then you're not going to talk about it on your site and you're not going to answer these tough questions and then... You're putting on the hub, and then Google, Google is going to get the traffic? Is yeah, that what's going to happen? This seems very weird to me. I, I want to like know it. more. There's no. something they're not telling us. Yes. Ask that question. Head on over yeah. to Google Hub Why in India did at you the moment do this? and see if you get a good answer. <laughs> All right. Next up from Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Land, Google is adding playable podcasts directly in the search results. Yep. I like this. I love this, actually. If you are a podcast that is hooked into Google Podcasts. Which we are. Oh, Marketing Clock, of course, is. As you find folks out there probably know, you will be have the ability to have your podcast be playable from the search results. It doesn't actually play in the search results. It takes you to a Google Podcast page at the moment from what I saw. But we are listed and anybody in Google Podcasts should be listed. And it's another great reason to, to pay attention to Google Podcasts. Everybody always says, Apple, now Spotify's been on the, the scene, I guess. It mm -hmm. used to be Stitcher. Hey, try to get people on Google Podcasts in all likelihood. Is it, I, again, if 
if from what we've seen with reviews, the quantity of them matters to revenue, yeah. hey, maybe getting some of those Google Podcast listeners or subscribers could also help. This so is awesome. Something to consider. Another big change happening over at Google is image search has a revamp. There's a new image preview box that is featured on the right-hand rail. This allows you to keep scrolling while having the image selected on the right. And we'll have to see how this affects website traffic. Is it going to be more? Is it going to be less? I personally probably think less because you're going to be able to keep scrolling while you've got an image pulled up. And I would tell you to go look at your traffic in Google Analytics and see if it's been a net positive or net negative. But you can't because they said they were going to have that occur and they took <laughs> that away. So who knows? Thanks, Who Google. knows if that's going to have an impact <laughs> on you? Something that has been substantially impacted is Pinterest revenue. This past quarter, it jumped 62%, and the monthly active users reached $300 million. This is the biggest increase in users quarterly over the past year. One thing that, I guess this is just how the companies exist, but they said, oh, everything is up. We've got the highest number of users. Oh, we've got a net, a net loss of $1.16 billion Weep for the quarter. <laughs> like, it's just, and the stock is up. And that's just one of those things. I'm sure there's a, a ton of rationale behind it. It's mm -hmm. the lowest loss they've had, it's heading towards profitability. Yada, yada, yada. You lost $1.16 billion. <laughs> Little footnote at the bottom. Okay. Something that we've all lost is our privacy, Shep. And Rob yeah, Price <laughs> over at Business Insider did an expose. That's a word I love, expose. Okay. I like that one too. It seems like expose, but you just read it fancy. Expose. Where he found that some lax privacy led to millions of users' physical locations being tracked. Their stories were secretly saved, and this was all under the guise of being within Instagram rules. It's not, but it was all public information. Not the, what you want. No. The best yet. This occurred by the San Francisco-based marketing firm Hyper. Of course, you can't spell anything correctly. So it's H-Y-P-3-R. <laughs> so there's a three. It's a very elite name. They were able to scrape all of this user data and make all these different personas with it. They, and this is from the firm. They said, publicly, they have a unique data sets of, of hundreds of millions of the highest value consumers in the world. And 90% of that data came from Instagram. Now, Instagram from Facebook said, <laughs> Hyper's actions were not sanctioned and violate our policies. As a result, we removed them from platform. But before this occurred, they were a Facebook marketing partner. So Facebook actually given them their stamp of approval. Not anymore. Now, Hyper clapped back. They said, for, quotes, Instagram to leave these endpoints open and let people get into this back channel sort of way, I thought it was kind of hypocritical. It takes very little effort for Instagram to protect the location data accessed by Hyper. Why haven't they done it remains a mystery. Hey, you know you're, what you're doing is, is, not, yeah. is it against what users want. I get it. You can do it. Now, bye. You're off Instagram, Instagram should be better, too, but that doesn't mean they have to be so sketchy. Come on, yes. Hyper. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, so let's keep it on the leaky side. 
And from TechCrunch, Natasha Lomas has an article called Twitter Fesses Up to More Ad Tech Leaks. And Twitter had two issues lately. And it's kind of a first of sorts in a way. And the first issue is there was some user data that was shared by locations from an ad measurement. Basically, if somebody had hit a, a cookie, there's information could be given if they didn't agree to it. That was fixed on August 5th. They didn't specify when it was found on Twitter's, on Twitter's side. The second thing is that in September 2018, they served targeted ads that used inferences made about the user's interests based on tracking their wider use of the internet, even when the user not given permission to be tracked. Now, this bug suggests the leak of data was happening in May 2018, which is when the GDPR hit in Europe. And the GDPR mandates disclosure of data breaches. What will be interesting here is to see when Twitter announced the data breach, when they knew, and how it coincides with any tracking as to when they announced it versus when they really knew it. This is one of the first big things out there that is a data breach that was knowing, and did they disclose it fast enough? As everyone knows, the GDPR has some pretty hefty fines, Yeah. so we'll have to see how this goes. But I guess the moral of the story in these last two articles is nothing is private. Anything you put out anywhere you go, if you got your phone on and you're checking in places and doing all this stuff, you're, it's going to be public. If you want to be actually private, leave your phone at home and live life. Yeah. You don't get the cool Google Map AR to make your vacation the <laughs> sweetest thing ever. Just don't leave your house. Yeah, just stay at home. There you go. I got a note from my grandpa once that said, trust no one. Don't go anywhere alone. Men are evil. Wow. That's all you have to remember. Until the end, I was like, <laughs> is that David Duchovny? Trust no one. <laughs> well, men are evil. I like that. I like how he's he's a man. And yeah. He's like, yeah, men are evil. It was in my college graduation card, so. Okay. Always optimistic. Wow. Well, thanks, Gramps, on that. <laughs> Next up is another issue. But no data has been lost except your indexing from Google. And Google Webmasters tweeted out on Thursday that they were aware of reports of indexing issues. Basically, they stopped indexing many sites on Thursday, Uh, any new indexing of new pages. Related to this, there are issues in the URL inspection tool within Search Console. This was fixed on Thursday, but we've seen this quite a lot lately. Lots and lots of Google bugs. On the indexing side, on the news side, on the search console side, on the tool side. Shep, if you are impacted by this, though, however, here's a fantastic Google Doodle on July 4th. You can play baseball. Oh, man. So go check that out. I missed it. Yeah. Well, hey, you're not indexed, but go check that out. <laughs> All right. Last up here is an article from Matt Southern at Search Engine Journal. And the article is called Google's John Mueller. No benefit to marking all outbound links as no follow. I'm going to try to explain this very, very succinctly for those maybe non-tech savvy listeners. The quick explanation, as quick as I can make it, is that Google has a link issue where links are a big value for their search engine ranking. People had tried to manipulate this. What Google had implemented was a no follow that you could put on to a link. A rel equals no follow. And by doing this, it would be called a pink link or other names for this link that wouldn't pass any value to where you're linking to. For a lot of blog comments and things that you don't really vouch for, you could use a nofollow and you wouldn't just have to shut your, your, your blog down, basically, and shut your comments off. Additionally, if you had something you wanted to share 
or was paid or sponsored, you could still do so. You just wouldn't pass any value to that advertiser. They wouldn't see it as a paid link. And Google had a huge crackdown on paid links. So a nofollow link does not pass any value. Uh, what's called now a do-follow link, or for normal humans, a link passes value out. <laughs> so hopefully it makes it clear. So somebody asked John Mueller, should I just nofollow everything and not pass any value out of my site and just hoard all my value on my site? And he said, no, don't do this. That's definitely wrong. It's definitely not the case that if you use normal links on your website, you would rank any worse than if you put nofollow on all outgoing links. I suspect it's even on the contrary, that if you have normal linking on your page, then you would probably rank a little better over time. Essentially, because we can see that you're part of the normal web ecosystem. So that's the end of the lightning round. John Mueller is saying, don't nofollow everything and try to hoard, hoard all this value yourself. Okay. And that brings us to this week's <laughs> take of the week. This is a saucy hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. And this week's take of the week comes from Martin McDonald at search Martin on Twitter. And it is in regards to that last story. So on Twitter, there's a fairly big argument about this, right? Google is saying, don't know, follow everything. And Martin McDonald said, but John Mew and that's his Twitter handle, <laughs> is talking from a purely academic, technical SEO point of view. In reality, nofollow links on a large publisher website is the easiest way to cut down on content producers selling links on your site without policing every single article. We're going to get to the take here in a minute. So Martin's point is, great, yeah, but if I don't want people to sell links, I could just nofollow everything. Users wouldn't know. There's no difference between the experience they're going to have. Mm -hmm. And then any of my writers I have writing all these different content pieces, I'm not going to have to police them. So then it led to a huge discussion. <laughs> Somebody had responded, that type of laziness should also be penalized. Shots fired. Shots fired. Martin clapped back saying, not at all. One of my clients has thousands of journalists and thousands of articles published daily. They used to appear in those spam emails selling links. Added a blanket no follow and that stopped. Sure, I'd love to police every single link, but that is not practical. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. So then it got into... A conversation between Martin and the Ryan Jones. And Martin said, human nature, Ryan, human nature. Let's say you've got thousands of journos and at least one of them is going to be swayed by some beer money. Easier to no follow the lot. And I've kind of jumped in on a conversation here. Ryan said back, but choosing to do the quick, easy thing should affect your credibility and trust over doing the hard, better thing. Martin then said, well, when Google decides to punish the sites that blanket no follow, we'll take it seriously. Until then, I'm not adding additional overhead to please the link builders. Then the Ryan Jones said, I understand the business need, but I think Google should and one day will punish PageRank black holes. If you refuse to link out his new site, you shouldn't get rewarded for that. And Shep, this is the take of the week. Martin responded by saying, why should new sites be forced to police Google's algorithmic shortcomings? End scene. Why should we do all the work for you? If your algorithm yeah. is broken... Oh, sorry. This is not my take. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's my inner Martin coming out. You can agree with the take. Martin was fired up. Yeah. He, Martin it, was fired up. This went on up. and on. Like, I spent half an hour today. Great. And there was a lot of respect between everybody, which mm -hmm. is the best part of it. But, yeah. Hey, figure out what's a paid link or not. Or, hey, maybe don't use links that much. That's not Martin's job. Yeah. It's not Martin's job, Google. It's your job. Fix Martin your doesn't work for Google just like that third party guy in the beginning of the show. Real hit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> All right. And that brings us to our real life segment. Straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for working hard. Or hardly working. Where we talk about what is going on in our IRL work. Good. Bad. Or otherwise this week. Shep, what's been happening with your accounts lately? So... We have a client that's focused on e-commerce tourist-based ticket sales, and at the beginning of this year, we looked at conversions by device, and no surprise here, mobile was really leading the way. So in June, we broke out our campaigns, which is something we do here a lot at Cypress North, um, giving one campaign entirely to mobile devices and another to desktop and tablet, so they could each have their own dedicated budget, and the mobile budget wasn't getting eaten away by desktop and tablet. And I've never... This is like a best practice here that we do a lot, but I've never kind of made the change and seen it work so well so fast. And all of our conversions just really took off right away because the mobile ones obviously took off. They're not getting their budget eaten up, but then desktop took off as well because they had their own dedicated budget. And in July, mobile conversions from PPC campaigns made up 84% of all our PPC conversions. So Wow. Yeah, something we do a lot, but it was just a good reminder to yeah. see it in action. And that's awesome. And we're doing an audit for another client. And it's the same, one, a similar scenario where we've got this one account and mobile is bid down 90%. And the ROAS on mobile is substantial. It, it's actually beating desktop and crushing tablet. But there's this fear that mobile could take over where, where it makes sense. We break it out money. It's times. like a bid adjustment on steroids. Right. And this and, and again, this was not a smart bidding type right. scenario. It was not it was a enhanced CPC in, in the example I gave at least. All right. And one thing for me that is hardly working is the Google advertiser community. A, I love the advertiser community. You can go on there and see a bunch of conversations. It's a forum for advertisers. Many questions are already answered there. You can find Many. I had a problem with some PFC campaigns, hopefully, that I'll turn into working hard next week when I fix this issue. But when you search now and you get an answer for the advertiser community, you no longer make it to the actual answer. You go just to the main community page. I saw this this week, too. It drives me crazy. I'm trying to look up everything. I thought it was just for the question I had. No, it's for every question. You now cannot make it to the question. And then you get to the community. I'm like, okay, I don't see it here. The search is worse. So I apparently they probably upgraded something or changed something over. You can't find the stuff you need on the search. So then I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go back to Google search. I'm going to find the exact thread name. I'm going to take that exact thread name. I'm going to put it into the Google advertiser community search, and it doesn't pull it up. It's just very cumbersome to find anything, yeah. if not impossible. They've got to fix that. Yes. I thought that was just the one I was asking. It was such a nice feature. <laughs> I, know. I just can't do anything. All right. And now it's time for this week's WTH. And this week's WTH comes from Lucas Shaw on Bloomberg.com. The article is called Bollywood Rapper Sets Fewer Record YouTube Isn't Talking About. Great title, by the way. Mm-hmm. So apparently, an Indian rapper, Badasha, broke a YouTube record for his single Pagal. Shep, did you hear the song itself? Of course. What did you think? This is it in the background. I liked it. You it was, liked it? Yeah, it had a nice beat. They had the translated lyrics on there, and the rap music is not as unsavory as um, American rap songs. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Badasha is the, the pit bull of India. Yeah. I don't think that's good. <laughs> 
I think that's bad. <laughs> he just kept saying the the name of the song over and over and over again. He was like a pit bull with a dash of black-eyed peas in there. You know, where you count the days of the week and the months of the year or whatever. Okay, but well, let's talk about the video because I love that they brought back like a nice group choreographed yes. dance troupe number. It, that's, very... it was great. Fancy dance moves in there. Mm -hmm. I did enjoy that. But back to the WTH at hand here, Shep. <laughs> the clip was seen 75 million times in one day, and this broke every record. But Asha broke Taylor Swift's record with his phenomenal music. And you know what? I'll take I'll come back Indian to that. Pitbull over, <laughs> over Taylor Swift. And it led to some scrutiny because even though he hit this number, he didn't get credit for this number. Because some of those numbers were deemed to be inflated, though I disagree. I disagree with the fact that they're inflated. People were wondering how he got so many views and broke this record so fast. And it turns out he did so with advertising on YouTube. People thought maybe he paid for garbage traffic to inflate things. But he used YouTube's advertising to get more views of the video. Now what happened is YouTube didn't count those views because they came from ads and took this back and basically this record that Barasha had won. He earned this. He got the most views. But after reading the article, I felt like some of the other musicians were doing the ads thing as well, just not yes, to the same level. I agree. I agree. He tried to purposely break a record right. to make news and have this crown, but he paid for it. This is what YouTube does. Yeah. You drive traffic to an ad, you pay for traffic to it. Should I not count a session from Google Analytics because it came from a paid search? I don't think that the ad should be included in that big trophy that they're giving. They said BTS holds it right now, like the most views in a day. But I don't think it's bad what he's doing. I just don't think they should count it. But we also don't know they're not counting it for Ariana Grande or whoever. Sorry, I hope I'm not triggering hope. But I would just like a recount with no ads because I would like to see where Taylor Swift stands then. But what, what is the point? Why would anybody care? Because it's about the whole live stream thing really brings people together. Like when the Ariana Grande video came out, me and so Ariana watched it at has work. more people in a live stream than Badasha. Like, what is the, if you got this many views, you got this many I views. I think it Taylor creates Swift buzz, step though. up and, and spend as much money as Badasha does. It's, it's a whole Swift. thing about YouTube wanting to be like they're the music platform. And if they want the whole point is to allow people to advertise their product. I, I think that's fine, but I don't think that that should count towards the most stream. If you get in a, a view, day. you should be able to have that view. Why is a paid view any different than an organic view? Why is it different? I just think for this award of the most streams in one day, they should just specify it. Just put the word well, organic in there. Have the most streams in one day and have the most organic streams yeah. in one day. And you can have Ariana I'm happy with that. or Taylor Swift <laughs> or whomever else. I don't know who else is even up there. I failed that last... BTS was a big one. BTS. Back to school? Yeah, okay. that's them. <laughs> yeah. Big sale. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, we, we see we're, we're part on this, but a view is a view, man. I agree in the grand scheme of things, but I just want to know who the real winner is. It's Badasha. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. He had the most. He, had the he most. deserved it. There were so many people in that video... But you it was one deserve, of those videos where, like, the video. You don't deserve it because of the dance moves. We don't have any true song and dance men or women in our world right now. Like, what? They, you, what? They, <laughs> all the musicians today, just like, they're in the middle doing like a little dance move. And then around them no. are all these serious dancers, like really working hard. What about Ursher? Beyonce is all we have now. Ursher can move. 
Yeah, but Chris Brown can move. Okay, Chris Brown's problematic, and Ursher doesn't have (laughs) any like great songs right now. It's been a while since Confessions. But the man can move. Yeah, but you got to come out. You need both. You need the music and the moves. So that's all we need. We only have Beyonce. We need some people to step up to the table. And I think with a little bit of work on his choreography, Barasha could be that guy. All right. Heard it here first, folks. (laughs) And now it's time for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something that we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. And this week's tool is a new tool from Pixelme, and it provides email alerts whenever your competitors launch a Facebook ad campaign, which they won't be able to do if it's crashed. (laughs) The new tool is called Ad Inbox Me, and it will send you an alert whenever your competitors launch a new Facebook ad campaign. All you have to do is add the URL of the Facebook page you want to track, connect to the Facebook ad library listing for that page, and that will enable you to see all of their previous ads, which is already cool as it is. And then you can tap alert me and add your email and you'll be notified whenever there's a new addition to that page's ad library listing. Shep, this is genius. Sneaky. This is amazing. I, I have not tested it. this out, just to be clear, but I am going to. I just want to try it for brands I like to see what they're doing. Oh, I didn't think about that. Not even our competitors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to see what competitors are doing. <laughs> Both. Deal. All right. And that brings us to this week's must-read marketing article of the week. An article is so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it on today's show. Chap, I've got two here. One on the more basic to intermediate side and one on the super advanced side. What do you want? Despite the current temperature in this room, <laughs> I think we should do both. Sold. All right, so the first article is called The Small Business Guide to Instagram E-Commerce from Akvila DeFazio, and this is over on WordStream, although Akvila is from Akvertise and a former guest on the show. What Akvila has done is put together a guide about how to get started with Instagram shopping with a nice run-through, a detailed how-to, how to generate sales through not only organic posts but also ads, how to measure Instagram e-commerce success, and how to begin strategizing for new features. This is one of those things, if at any time down the road you're planning on Instagram, any kind of increase in e-commerce sales, just bookmark it now and thank yourself later. I also want to bookmark it as how to write a how-to guide because it's so nicely laid out and clear. Oh, and and why why is that? She does her intro. She says everything you're going to learn in this. And then it goes through everything step by step. I loved the font size. It's nice and big. (laughs) I just thought it was great. Great use of pictures. A plus. You can tell she's a Toastmaster. (laughs) It's the tell them, tell them, tell them approach. You tell them what you're going to tell them. You tell them and then you tell them what you told them. Mm -hmm. She does a great job. Exactly. Yes. She's just great all around. And another person that's great all around is our advanced article of the week from Glenn Gabe at Glenn Gabe on Twitter from G Squared Interactive. And Glenn has an article called Not capital N-O-T, taking the canonical hint, how to estimate a low-quality indexing problem by page type using Google Analytics, Search Console, SEMrush, aka SEMrush, and advanced query operators. He does all that (laughs) and more in the (laughs) article. He didn't talk about the fact that you use Analytics Edge in there. He should have just thrown that in the title. But he looks at the issue in the cases where you canonical a page, and it's basically saying, go here. We recommend that this is close enough to to this other page, and it's a directive that Google may or may not follow to um, index that page and pass any values to that page. He looks at when 
the canonical, the raw canonical is not followed. And how to identify if a page is being indexed and more importantly, if it's a ranking. And this is a brilliant how-to using four or five tools that can identify any of those pages so that you can figure out a more permanent solution, a actual directive that Google can follow for some of those pages. So he, there's lots of this process. Again, this is the advanced one. You asked for it, Shep. Don't, <laughs> don't blame me. Blame Shep. <laughs> um, but you get more data than you could normally get from Google Search Console. You use something called Analytics Edge in the Google Search Console API. You pull the data out. You use Regex to match it up with Google Analytics. Then you use that to match up with um, SEMrush, aka SEMrush data. And then you can find out what pages are getting traffic and what pages are ranking well and what is actually canonical so that you can figure out how to remedy the problem. Again, this is a very advanced thing, but it's super cool and mm -hmm. it's a great how-to and a great detailed breakdown that anybody can follow, I promise. Well, you kind of need a few a few different programs <laughs> there, but it's worth it if you've got those issues. So thank you, Akvila, and thank you, Glenn. All right, that does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from today's show on marketingoclock.com. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we... We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review, or share with a colleague. If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Heck, where after a critically acclaimed Famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just Shoot the heck. And this week, it's everybody's favorite game, Two Kinds of People, where we give one scenario, and there's only two kinds of people, two takes, a binary answer. Chep, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I can start. All right. What do you have here? Mine have a theme this week. All right. And our sound engineer and show producer, Hope, is on the mic, too. Hi, Hello. Hope. Okay. So my first one, you're brushing your teeth. <laughs> Do you wet the toothbrush before the toothpaste or after the toothpaste? I wet it before. Before. I do it after. Really? Yeah. I mean, I do both. I kind of do both, too. Because I don't like when the toothpaste is dry. No, you do I'm, both. You, like, wet it before. I do both. Put it on, and then you wet it after. But I definitely wet the toothbrush before. Yeah. I run under the water. It's me thinking, like, oh, I just wiped all these poop toilet germs off by just rinsing it under the, the water. See, I have a nice I little cover for my toothbrush, so I don't have to worry I'll about never that. forget when I found out that the toothbrush has poop toilet germs. It's you like, you have yes. to get a little cover for yeah, the top. It's crazy. It's very nice. Yes. So that's why I do it, just to make sure I'm completely clean before <laughs> I put that in my mouth. It's a great strategy. Okay, so I think we all agree there. All right, there's two kinds of people. People that when donuts are brought into the office, take a donut and leave. And then people that cut the donut up. Oh, come on. You can't shame the donut cutters. I, I am saying there's two kinds of people. Because it's a, fact. a lot of people are donut cutters, and they just, when they come together, it's not a problem. The only, there's a, only ever a problem if there's only one donut cover, and there's never just one. I'm so, a donut cutter. You're a donut cutter? Hope? I, no. Wow. Take the whole donut and go. Take it and go. I don't want to throw up. Well, you, you don't have to eat the whole donut <laughs> in one waste. sitting. You just cut it up and you save it for yourself. I had donuts in the box. for dessert at my wedding and there were a lot of donut cutters. And I was like, these are my people. 
I don't need somebody else's cut up donut. Like, just take the whole thing and then save it later. You just <laughs> worry about your own donut. I, have to, I don't have to, like, worry about how everybody else is cutting up the donuts. No. They're using a knife. I used it's to, a camaraderie. But they're still touching it with their hands, and it's, it's like, okay. just take it We have it a small office. It's okay. I used to be on Hope's team, and now I'm on Chef's team. I cut really? donuts now. There's nothing Why? worse than people who shame donut cutters. I don't touch cutters. a donut. I will never I'm touch a donut. I'm shaming them. Yeah, you I don't just... have to touch it. You can just, you just there's a way to do it. Cut it. Yeah. It's, I mean, what are we talking here? It's not like a plastic knife. We have sharp knives. If it's I the have... second day the donuts are there, then if I have an you might need to hold it. If I have an agreement with someone, if someone's like, no. want to split this donut with me, I'm like, okay. And we get these very rich, savory donuts. <laughs> and so I don't want a whole lot of all right, what do you got, Cheryl? Okay, so after you eat all those donuts, you're brushing your teeth. <laughs> Again? Oh, wow, we're really big on the teeth today. I think I'm going to be on one, on like an unpopular side on this one, too. How do you rinse? Do you have a cup? Are you one of those fancy houses with the cups? Do you stick your head under the faucet, or do you use your hand as a cup? That's three kind of people, Shep. Disqualified. I know. <laughs> so do you put your hands under the cup? I do. I don't think I know anyone you else who does it. You put your hands I under cup, the faucet? Yeah, I cup the water with my hands. So you put your toothbrush down and you cup your hands? I put it back on its stand. Interesting. <laughs> Sorry. I put my head <laughs> under the faucet. I don't do anything. Am I the wrong one here? I just brush my teeth. No. I rinse it. I, br- I put oh. the toothbrush back in. I rinse it out. I spit and I'm gone. I don't do anything. I didn't know that was an option. Does that mean I'm ingesting too much fluoride or no, something i think there's just a lot of ways to do it okay so that's more than two ways kind of i don't people. like sticking my head under the faucet no, i've that's, just always that's done the weird that one. a lot what? of people do that one. putting, putting your, your hands under, under the faucet you're gonna get mouth back on the faucet and there's no way to ever you know get that off on that i don't <laughs> put my mouth on the faucet i put it under the faucet just done that since i was a kid Okay. I don't think I'm the weird one. I think the weird one is Shep. She's Gen Z. I I don't know anyone else who uses I, their hands as a cup, but I do. I've yeah. never. I didn't think that I was a thing. I don't even think about this. This is going. All right. There's two kinds of people. People that take those baby food pouches and eat them as adults. People that don't eat out of pouches as an adult. That just makes me think of Jeff. Yeah, there's only like one person. On <laughs> this no, there are more than more than one. People. I eat freezy pops. Well, that's not a, a you pouch. Been on last week's I do episode. not eat out of. No, baby. I don't eat those things. I see things. more and more people eating those pouches, and some of those pouches, no. kids do not like anything with chia in it. Dude, kids don't like chia. You know, I see those a lot at the gym. Yeah. It's like those protein whatever shakes, and it's just... That's for kids. Go, go, squeeze. I don't know. I do not eat out of pouches, so three non-pouches. It's not my thing. Okay. So you just ate your chia seeds out of the pouch. (laughs) And you're brushing your teeth. (laughs) And you're brushing your teeth. Do you talk while you brush your teeth ever? Yes. I can't stand it. Why? That's so gross. If somebody's asking me a question... You're spreading cleanliness to others. (laughs) It's not like you're eating food. You can't. It is. It's worse than if you're eating food because you're foaming at the mouth. But it's clean foam. It's like a sud. It's like a <laughs> sud. Like, clean, you have cleanliness. to tilt your head back while you're talking, so it doesn't. It's so gross. It's like the worst part about I mean, living. I don't, with go, I don't go. I don't brush my teeth and go up to someone and have a conversation. But if like somebody's asking me a question, don't talk. Just I have to answer. Take your two minutes of me time and just brush your teeth. <laughs> All right, last one here for this week. There are two kinds of people. 
people that like scented soaps and people that don't. I do. Is there what soap is yeah, not I scented? Yeah, I reckon people have allergies. Okay, so they're, like a bar they're, soap? let's say we're in a vacuum chamber of non-allergenic yeah, folks. I like scented. Okay. Is a bar soap not scented? Some, Sometimes. Un- unscented bar soap is not scented. I don't think I've ever used an unscented soap. Like the fresh clean smell? That's is that unscented? Fresh, fresh clean. It's scented to smell like linen. I don't know what an unscented soap is. I think I, they're brown, aren't they? I don't know. I mean, you get those soaps that are like, it's it, it's a filet mignon scented soap, or no. it's a rose what? garden soap, or it's <laughs> You're not getting cucumber melon soap. soap. I mean, you know what I'm saying. It's like a, yes, a, I like a nice lavender like, or lemon. Oh, a lemon nice. soap, yeah. it's nice. Yes. Yeah, the key lime pie soap. Like I don't want to eat my hands. But it smells good. It smells good. It needs to be a fresh smell. Like sometimes it's too sweet, or like a pumpkin soap might be too strong. I don't like that. Okay. It makes your whole shower elevated. I like smelling like nothing. That's what Boring. I like. I'm not covering anything up. It's just it. So you don't wear cologne? No cologne, and Are I you use serious? unscented soap that's some hippie soap. With you wear deodorant? <laughs> yes. Unscented? <laughs> no, no aluminum deodorant, though. There's something to I not like the smelling. idea, yeah. There's something to it. Like, I don't, I get nervous when somebody smells, smells like an artificial flavor. Yeah, sometimes oh, it's no. too much. Come in here smelling like B12. You have to get the know. right What's But I think the soap smells nice. Yeah, the soaps are a nice compromise because in your shower experience, it smells really nice, mm-hmm. but then it doesn't really linger all day like a cologne would. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. We'll see you next week.